Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to Chumba ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about piles of skulls, spinsters, and the obligatory uh, Star Wars reference, because we knew we were going to get that in this episode. And lo and behold, I mean, it was silly, but I also dug it. So what are you going to do? I am Beth Elderkin. I'm joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing? I like the idea of a full-grown adult man trying to imagine, like, the most wonderful place on Earth, but accidentally also imagining, like, a dark skull island. Like, that seems very on-brand for what I would do. Like, it's just like, oh, it's this magical place. That's Emo Island over there. (laughs) That's where all the sad things happen. Go be sad there, but nowhere else. (laughs) It's a, it's sad and also a reminder that your mortality is running out. Oh, yeah. It's just like, welcome to this wonderful, wonderful place. Also, don't look over there. It is a constant ticking reminder of the uh, just scarcity of life. Hooray. Your impending doom. Tick, Unless you can get a little tick. small child to rip out his own heart and destroy it. Wait. Hold on. No, sorry. I just had like a weird realization, but then it didn't make any sense. Just move on. I'm going to work on that. I'm going to workshop in my brain before I say it out loud. All right. Well, we are talking about Season 3, Episode 8, Think Lovely Thoughts. This is that big reveal we were waiting on. And um, I was reading some of the articles about this episode. And legit, people were very surprised about this Peter Pan reveal. Uh, I, I I remember when I first saw it, saw it I, was, I was taken aback. This was kind of before these sort of twists were, you know, let's be honest, more commonplace. So Mm -hmm. I think it did catch people by surprise in a very welcome way. Abby, do you remember, like, because you watched the show a little bit later, you were kind of binging. Like, do you remember your first thoughts? I I literally texted this to you today. I do not remember watching this episode. I remember not a single iota of it. Like, I was genuinely, I, I feel like I genuinely watched that for the first time. Like, I know I've watched it because I've known... I know the pan thing. Like, I know that it happened. I just remember going, I don't remember the reveal. I don't remember the, uh, why it happens or how it happens. Like the entire time we were in the flashback, I'm like, at what point does this happen? I genuinely don't remember. I don't know what happened. Maybe I've bonked my head. Maybe I pushed it back. Maybe something happened or I binged it so fast that I didn't have time to process it. I, I don't remember. I remember like being like, oh yeah, pan's his dad. 
I think I just binged it too fast. Have you ever done that with a show where you just, you binge it so fast and so hard you have no time to process the incredible amount of information that you've just, especially with these last couple of episodes, it's been a lot. Yes, it has. I mean, I'm in the middle of the Squid Game right now on Netflix. Highly oh. recommend. But oh, it is so it. intense. It's it's addictive. You want to keep watching. But at the same time, it's very overwhelming. And so you kind of end up blocking out a bunch of the trauma that happens. But it is a fantastic show. Okay, yeah. But so, so I think that's my theory. My theory is that I binged it too quickly because I remember just being so pumped about like the show and I just remember binging it very quickly and this was when I I'm trying to remember because I'm pretty sure I came into it watching it live like watching it like week to week at season four because I remember the the Elsa hand promos where she's just walking and like dusting her hands across things like that was the teaser I remember seeing those and watching the episodes so I think I just binged it crazy fast through season three and I must have just blacked out through season three because I remember all this <laughs> stuff happened afterwards I remember the how they get off like I, I remember charming and 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 snow's dilemma and how that gets solved I remember the villainesses and how that all gets resolved and the author stuff and blah 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 Zelina I remember all this stuff for some reason these like last couple of episodes I've been like okay. When did they add this? <laughs> hmm. They went ahead and did a little bit of backfill. I feel like it's the um, thing where I watch I watched a bunch of movies like a lot on VHS, but like on Netflix they're doing like these extended versions with extra episodes and my brain is just going, "What is this? What is this 10 seconds? I don't remember these 10 seconds." Oh no. These are the pop-up video versions. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. So anyway, that's where I'm at. Before we get into this episode, uh, we have our, what I'm going to now just officially read term, the German titles. Yes! Like, because without a, without fail, the German title is going to be fantastic. And this week, again, they, they do not disappoint. Most of the uh, title, the international titles are something along the lines of think lovely thoughts, think of something nice. Abby, this might be my favorite German title yet. I'm going to try and say it in German, and then I will say it in English. Either way, it sounds fantastic. Die Lüge am Ende der Ewigen Jugend. I butchered it, and I apologize. But listen to this, Abby. Are you ready for this? I'm braced. I'm ready. I'm sitting down. I'm ready to go. The Lie at the End of Eternal Youth. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why does that sound like an Isaac Asimov novel? <laughs> That's wild. I love that episode title. Mwah. Amazing. Yeah, I don't know who at ABC or Disney or what was was greenlighting these titles in Germany, but whoever they were, they need more money and they need it now. They that is that is absolutely stellar. It's like how there's always these like great German words to describe a feeling that we don't have words for in English. They just they can just name a fairy tale in a fairy tale episode. Mwah. Just that, that is, that is a wild title. And I love every single bit of it. Like, remember the emo island I was talking about? That's it. That's where that lives. That's exactly. where that title lives. <laughs> well, we're going to go ahead and start in Neverland. Our heroes have come together. Uh, Tinkerbell is getting ready to lead them to Pan's camp so they can rescue Henry. Because as we know, as we've discussed over the past several episodes, their plan is always very good. 
And it's never not it's never not gonna be it's never gonna be bad. It's no, always it's a great plan. Airtight plan. Absolutely uh-huh. ten out of ten plan. Amazing. They're heading through. Um, Mary Margaret and David are holding hands. They're communicating. So Emma has a very weird moment that felt kind of uncharacteristic given everything that's going on where she talks to Mary Margaret about, you know, oh, are you going to stay here with David? And she says, well, I mean, I don't want to leave you, but, you know, I, I don't know if I have a choice. You know, he's my husband. And she just gets really pissed She's like, you're breaking up the family. How dare you? And like, I, I didn't see that as uncharacteristic. That's literally my reaction. So as I'm watching that, she's just like, I couldn't imagine leaving you. And I'm just being very sassy while I'm walking around my kitchen with my earbuds in. Again, no one else in my family can hear what I'm watching. And they just hear me shout from across the house. You've done it before, Snow. You'll do it again. Because she's she separated herself from her daughter to be with her husband like obviously the stakes were a little bit different but she's made that choice before and now the choice is even easier because emma is a full-grown adult and not a defenseless child so and in in emma's mind i could see how she would just equate those two of just being like oh so when times gets tough the daughter just goes i i mean you know what I can see it. I I legitimately do not know if that was the intention for how it was written or how it's been portrayed. But I also don't think they really cared that much because they solve it like two scenes later. Yeah, because I think they, again, they do a lot of, there's a lot of problems with Emma right now is that they don't know how to attack her emotions because a lot has happened to Emma in the better part of, I'm just going to say 48 hours. A lot has happened. A lot of information has been dropped. A lot of trauma has been reopened for her. And that's how they chose to outlet it. I don't see that as correct. I would just, you know, it's just, there's a lot. Just like there's boys. My son is missing. My parents are going to not get a divorce, but like leave me. And I'm 28 and I don't know how to feel about it. (laughs) Oh no, you can't leave me, mom. Well, before they can resolve that, they hear some rustling in the bushes. And lo and behold, we get our first of many reunions. This is the one where they find Regina and Gold, who've just been stumbling through the jungle after uh, coming with, you know, coming in contact with Pandora's box. And Neil just immediately tells everyone, hey, no, they're the bad guys. He is a dick. He tried to kill me. Uh, And this is also news to Regina because she was kind of trying to pry information from gold and he was being very evasive. And so now it's kind of all coming to a head. So it's reminded me of Mulan when they're all facing that the giant invading army and there's like six of them. They're like, if we die, we die as men. And they're all just pulling their swords and disappointing them at gold. And Regina's got her fireball because it's like, oh, our temporary alliance is over because you were trying to kill Henry. (laughs) And Gold says, no, 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 no. Like, there's the prophecy that I've brought about, you know, I've talked about like 40 billion times. But trust me, we're cool. I'm not going to do nothing. Here's a box. And I promise I won't do any spell spells. So we good? I do like that it wasn't I promise I won't do any spell spells. It was, uh, it was Neil just being like, you will do no spells. None. You lift it. I swear to God, I'll put you in this damn box. I'll do it. I'll do it. Don't tempt me, man. Um, oh, you're I, right. It was it was Neil who insisted on it. Yeah, I'm understanding a lot more about Neil's fate. I'll just say it that way. Because the way that Neil is, 
does not work for long-term miscommunication story arcs. Neil mm. is everything is right out on front street. He tells it. He just, he is an open book. Any information he learns, it just becomes everyone's knowledge. The moment that it needs to happen because there's no beating around the bush. There's no anything. If Neil knew the reveal that we're getting in this episode, everyone would have known them like immediately. Like it would have all just been like the moment Neil showed up, we'd all found out because Neil is just, there's no secrets with Neil. He he has no time to be a delayed exposition. Mm-mm. He's just like, you know what? Here's the book. I'm open. And yes, you're right. Like that works for him as a character. And it also works for the plot as we need it right now. But it's not going to work in the future. And we've got a sexy pirate over there who's really likes keeping secrets until it's narratively convenient for him not to. I will say I also really enjoy like thinking more about Neil's character and just how he is the product of two generations of just two awful men. Like (laughs) this is what happens. Like you put two in a row, you're just going to have like an exhausted, just tired man who just all he wants to do is just be normal. He just wants to watch football on a Sunday. Like that's, is that too much to ask? Please. I don't care about any of this. Please. (laughs) He's so tired. You've got Henry, you've got Neil, you got Rumpel, you got Malcolm, you've got granddaddy and great granddaddy issues. It's just like it compound you you have compounded daddy issues interest. Oh, Hopper should be making money hand over fist. Like he should mm-hmm. never be able to go home. Like the hours that were set at Dr. Hopper's uh therapy sessions would be just four months backlog. Sorry, you have to schedule way in advance. Sorry. Yeah, he he should be like Lucy, where he sets up the clinic outside with Mm -hmm. a sign that says open for business, but he never gets to close. He never gets to close. He just sleeps there. Like, that would probably Mm -hmm. work if he were a cricket still, but as a person, it'd be tough. It's just you talking to Pongo because Hopper's just asleep with his head back. (sighs) Pongo, (laughs) listen, listen, Pongo. Well, they show up at Pan's camp and you have a bunch of boys just, you know, milling about uh, because they are they are riding the high of Pan telling them, hey, here's the Henry boy. He's going to save magic. We're going to go. None of you get to go with us. This was the weird thing to me. It's like I was surprised that Pan didn't bring his backup to the cave. I get for drama. We want it to be a very intimate scene, but... You'd think that, like, if Pan needs to convince Henry to do this thing with a very short timetable, having a bunch of teenage boys around in a, in a giant skull being like, do it, do it, do it, that's that's going to be a benefit. I don't think they know that Pan is dying. And I what? don't think he wants them to know that. But would they necessarily... Yeah, but would they know... If he just takes them to this skull, like there's, there's the, you know, there's no, there's no sign hanging up on the wall that says this hourglass is my lifespan. What if one of the dumbass boys breaks the, the time thing? Like there's all these questions, but <laughs> you, you just don't bring in like just feral 17 year olds into any place, especially what would seem to be some sort of weird traumatic mind palace of terror. Um, I, I, my 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 only argument for that would be yeah like it, he just doesn't want them to know he's dead but you're right they he never really tells that to henry either yeah so i guess it would have worked but henry's also the most gullible person on this island and it's quite a contest so yeah they the show really 
decided to give a personality to the heart of the truest believer in that he believes everything without question. The talk about Star Wars references, the believing in absolutes of this show. This is what a hero is. Here is the box. This is what a villain is. Here is a box. We're going to call it the heart of the truest believer. Here is the box. So they have to really wrap him up into this belief thing, which I think could have still been done without making him so blindly gullible. And we'll get to it, but I kind of get how this last scene plays out, but I think they set it up wrong. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. So while, while Pan and Henry are sailing across the CGI lake to the, to the skull Island of skulls, we have our heroes getting ready to attack, attack the camp. And I did want to uh, do a little pullout that I found really funny where, you know, Rumpel is, has vowed not to use magic because Neil insisted on it. So he's like, I need a sword. He takes Hook's sword. Hook goes, now I need a sword. Neil hands him a sword. They just do like this weird, like sword flipping exchange. It was like, you know, it was like, um, like the white elephant. It was this weird exchange thing, you know, <laughs> for Christmas. They're all like, you get a sword and you get a sword. Here's my sword. I also like the weird bro moment between Charming and Hook of just be like, because when Rumble takes the sword, his response is, I don't want to have to just go in there with my only defense being my good looks. And then, like, Charming makes a comment to Hook being like, I'm sure you'll be fine. Like, or something like that. Or he just makes some comment about just like, here, just in case your good looks don't suffice. I don't remember what it was, but it was something of Charming saying that Hook was a hunky boy. And it made me laugh so hard. And Charming... Even if he feels threatened by Hook, you know, with, you know, Hook's masculinity, that doesn't mean he doesn't acknowledge that Hook is, Hook, Hook's a good looking boy. You I know, he's, he, he, respect where respect is due. You know what, it's just a bro code. Just be like, yeah, bro, you, you look, you looking, you looking very fresh today. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very much. He, you he, too. I may be intimidated by you, but there's a reason you're stacked. <laughs> Well, they they come to the camp and Rumple's like, well, "Can I can I do the magics? Can I do the magics, please?" Neil goes, "No, no magics." So Regina says, "I'll do the magics," and she does it without problem. And this exchange was unnecessary. It just filled the time. We could have just had Regina do the spell. Like I don't know why. Well, we also had to add in some weird feminist microaggression of, "Do you even remember this spell?" <sighs> You're so terrible at this. Couldn't you just tell her the spell? Like, if she doesn't remember it, you don't have to be the one that does it. Like, why was... What a weird dig at her. Not like she's bad at magic. I don't understand where that dig came from. Rumble's just having a bad week. But he's having a bad week because of his own choices. So I don't feel sorry for him. He's also... uh, There's also a choice that he didn't make that he's been unhappy about that he's now having to confront. So, you know, he's just unstable. Like, it's just a very unstable moment for an already pretty unstable dude. Rumple's no good, very bad day. Mm-hmm. How, what's, the, what's the whole title? Is that the whole title for it? I don't remember. It's a good. whole thing. Yeah, something like that. Uh-uh. Yeah. Well, they, they knock out all the boys, and then they there's their brilliant plan is to knock out the boys, run into the camp, and just shout Henry's name. Did they think they were going to also knock out Pan? Like, it was just they thought that they were going to find Henry's, like unconscious body and pick him up and run well that's the thing is like they know they wouldn't knock out pan and they should know that because rumple did a knockout spell on all the boys and it didn't get pan 
They had to use a special ink to get Pan. So, like, I don't get why this plan was... This plan needed Pan not to be there. And the only reason he wasn't there was circumstances outside of their knowledge or control. So this was just plot convenience. It's like, what's the quickest way we can solve the problem without Pan being an issue? Because he's not. Uh, So yeah, there is just a bunch of unconscious boys. And apparently the spell was just to knock out all the boy. Like, it was just like, knock out all boys in presence. Because they, uh, Regina does not knock out the uh, one female teenager that's there. Right. Um, Apparently the spell does not work on girls. Girl power. Girl lack of power. She's in a, ca- she's in a cage know. and has not been able to get out of this bamboo cage. Oh my god, what if this was like... What- this is actually the funny thought that I had because they, they find Wendy and she's in the cage and Neil immediately goes to break it because they, you know, they know each other. And I was like, oh, no, it's the ca- it's the Cave of Secrets cage. They only work if they start telling secrets again. Oh, could you imagine? I was just them to start spilling secrets to open Wendy's cage. Just be like, Wendy, I needed to tell you. I was I the one that ate all. The, I was the one that ate all the sweets and then blamed you on it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Click. Uh, yeah, no, it's Wendy. And I love, I like this interaction. I think this interaction was done well without it being weird or creepy because the whole, like, this is an adult, but this is a child. Like they knew each other when they were children to adults, like the pan thing, notwithstanding, but like, I was very worried the moment Neil and Wendy started interacting. I'm like, Oh no, something weird's going to happen. Nothing weird happened. I was happy. I a hundred percent agree, especially because it's an adult man and a young girl. Correct. It, yes. it could, you know, not that it wouldn't be creepy the other way around because it would be, but there is, you know, there's optics. But there's I, optics, I, I agree, yes. they handled it extremely well. And she tells them that Pan has taken Henry over to the Skull Rock of emo feelings to uh, kill Henry because Pan is dying. You know, I just, my first thought to that was, oh, projection, because, like, he made this whole storyline about Wendy dying because of the island, but it's actually Pan, so he's projecting, like, super hard. The best lies are the ones that are based in truth, Beth. True, and Pan is a genius at that. That's, like, what he does. I like that he tells so few lies that he knows, like, he does not spin so many lies that he has to keep track of them, which is a very Rumpel thing to do. Rumpel spins a lot of, he spins a lot of, um... Uh, just tall tales. He makes them seem a little bit different. And then he like laughs at you when you misunderstood the weird riddle that he gave you. But Pan never speaks in riddles. Pan just tells you the truth. And then if he does lie to you, he remembers because he only has ever told, I'm going to assume five lies in the last 13,000 years that he's been alive. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, they decide they're going to go head over to the island to go rescue Henry. And as we head there, that's where I think we're going to take a little detour. Because in the island, we're going to learn some secrets. We're going to learn some truths. We're going to get some reveals. But I think we kind of need to understand what we're working with here, Abby. I agree. And now, so we're going to go back in time to a confusing time. I was very confused by the the setup of the world that these two uh these two were existing in because it doesn't seem it seems like a newer world than rumple and bay existed in i don't know why i got that feeling but i don't know who knows anyway 
We cut to a, a dingy alley that's only lit by torch torches, um, and a guy in a three corner hat, and he is playing three card Monty, um, and and lost, and then is mad that that he was tricked. I can I can I interrupt to tell you something really funny? Yes. Because I was looking up some of the character stuff for this episode because I, I have some questions about the spinsters, the the women okay. that Rumpel ends up with. And right below is this guy's character um, whose status is currently unknown, which I found very funny. But I just what I really wanted to point out is what the character was credited as. He is called the Strumpet Thug. The Strumpet Thug. Yeah. This, that's this guy. All right. So the strumpet thug who does not understand not to play three card Monty with a guy with a card table in the middle of the street. Mm-hmm. Guys, don't do it. You always lose. Like, I don't know what he thought was going to happen. Like, he's I'm so smart. I'm going to out. It's like, that's not how it works, guys. But whatever. This guy is apparently it's his first day in the big city. He, this guy, uh, plays Ricard Monty with him. He's like, oh, the lady, she has eluded you, sir. And he's like, no, it's up your sleeve. How dare you? You've tricked me. Everyone was shocked. So then he beats him up and takes his money. This, a, a young child runs up to him. Papa! That is young Rumple. The three-card Monty, uh, trickster is his father. Do we ever learn his father's actual name? Yes. His name okay. is Malcolm. Malcolm. Got it. All right. Which I don't blame him for changing it because, like, Malcolm, the ruler of Neverland, just doesn't have the right ring to it. Right. So, uh, Malcolm, good knowing his name, I just, Rumpel's father would have been a mouthful. So, Malcolm decides he is going to offload his son to these two spinster ladies. Um, and, and they're going to watch him while he goes and pounds the pavement, man. He's going to go look for a job. He's going to go sit in some offices. He's going to go like straight up to there and ask for an application. You know, how you find a job, you know, in the olden days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to go like right in and ask to speak to the manager. And then like they'll hire you just for looking nice. So these ladies were a total trip to me because they're called the spinsters. So it has okay. like a double meaning. Right. And they, they're, I don't recall them showing up again. I'm pretty sure they're just in this episode but they had they were so peculiar because they were like finishing each other's sentences and they almost had like this hive mind thing. Uh and I was like I was kind of curious if anyone shared my thoughts about like who are these ladies what's their deal? And no, there's like a lot of like fanfic like forum stuff about who are these ladies and a couple of them were like they thought they were Rumple's aunts, they were fairies, maybe even the Sleeping Beauty fairies who are keeping Rumple safe, like they had kept Sleeping Beauty safe. Um, there's, or like they were the fates maybe, like a tie to Hercules. Like there's a lot of speculation about these two women. Of course, none of it came to fruition, but I just found it very interesting. Like these, this characterization, like I liked it. I do wish we'd gotten a little more out of it. I did like it too, and I liked it too. Be- I-, I liked it because it had like this kind of trippy, otherworldly, like almost pushing daisies, kind of like crazy ants, like mm-hmm. this is- or like Sabrina, like these are your crazy ants. Like I love a good two ant dynamic. 
You know what I mean? Like, just like, these are your two aunts. They've been living together for a long time. They, they cannot stand each other, but if they separate, they will die. Like they <laughs> hate each other, but they uh, coexist in a way. They reminded me of, and this is not saying that I think that this is who they are, but for whatever reason, they pulsed up this memory of me uh, from, if you ever played Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, uh, mm-hmm. there's this whole like, one of the temples has these two witches. They're these twin witches. And for whatever reason, it reminded me of that. And I'm like, I don't know. They're twin witches from Legend of Zelda. Obviously, that's what this tie-in is. I don't know. It's just what it reminded me of. Anyway, these wonderful women who just are so excited to have a young little apprentice. And they're going to teach teach him their ways of spinning while his dad is out. Uh, and Rumple is he's excited and he's learning. And he's just like, maybe, you know. He starts learning to spin and apparently is just like some tiny prodigy, like amazing at it. And they're immediately like, this is when they go Facebook aunt. You can make money on this. You're so good at this. This could be your hustle. This could be what you do. You should get an Etsy page. You will make money hand over fist. And he's like, oh, good. If I can make money, then that will help my dad. <laughs> your dad is drunk at a bar right now. He's never coming home. lot of real talk. For no reason. They could have just not done that. Well, and that kind of lends credence to maybe they are related to Malcolm or they know him from the past where they're just like, we got to set it straight to this kid because we care about him and we want what's best for him. And him dreaming about being with his father again is not, it's not going to work out for him. Yeah. So he's just like, oh, that, that can't possibly be true. Goes to the bar, sees his dad. And he's like, oh, I guess. I guess they're right. You are just a no good drunk. He's like, hey, man, it had that like one Jack, one Coke, one whiskey. Uh, if you've ever heard that song where he's just like, hey, man, I will work. I will work on all day. I've found the pavement. I had to sit down. I had, I'm tired. I'm resting. It's like, no, no, you haven't. No, you haven't. You haven't done any of those things. And so he's just like. I just wish. Oh, I'm sorry. So then he goes back. Does he go back to the women, or does or the, do they give it to him before he goes and finds him at the bar? Yeah, they gave it to him beforehand. Okay, but I, I kind yeah. of agree with you that this should have. We could this could have been stretched out a little bit. I feel like it. I feel like we could have gotten an extra scene where they they he goes gets really distraught, sees him at the bar, goes back, they give him the bean, then he returns yeah. and is like, let's go. I, I I agree with you how you see it, but it wasn't how it was yeah. done. So they had given him a bean and be like, you can go wherever you want and you know do your Etsy shop in anywhere you would like to go. It'll be wonderful. Because your dad is known as just an absolute drunk and, and a thief and a con man everywhere. You can't possibly get far enough away. So Rumpel shows Malcolm the bean and his dad doing the deadbeat dad thing that he did. was like, oh, my God, we can sell this for so much on the Facebook marketplace. Like $50. It's going to be amazing. I was like, no, can't sell my shit. We're going to use this. We're going to go somewhere great. Where should we go? Then comes Malcolm's amazing idea. Let's go to a, a weird place that I just like reality shifted to a bunch as a, as a child. I'm sure it's real. Let's expend this very important item on a pretend place from my brain hole. That has no civilization and no way of surviving. Yeah, let's just go and let's like, we won't take anything. Neither of us want, have survival skills. It's wild. It's a This is the part of the storyline, like, I like 
how this goes, it's this middle part where we get from point, like, I'll call it from point C to point D. Like, there's this weird wobbly bit here that just doesn't just, like, they're just forcing it. They're like, this this should have been two episodes. We're making it into one, and it's going to be five seconds. Go, 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 go. I didn't like this yeah, part. Get a little like, mushy. Instead of immediately him being like, things suck. When I was a child, it was cool. Here's a place I visited in my dreams. Let's go there. They They could have stretched it out a little bit where, you know, times were tough for him. He was lamenting, wow, stuff, you're so lucky, Rumple. you're a child. Like, when I was a kid, everything, like, you know, everything was easy. Although for him, things weren't easy. Right. Because he, you know, he was sold to a blacksmith as an apprentice. So, like, yeah, I, I think if we'd gotten one more episode, it would have been good. But, like, I, I would have loved to see the actor who plays Peter Pan, Robbie Kay, as young Malcolm. Right. I would have liked to see, I, I think what I would have liked a little bit more to make this seem a little less forced is for him to have been like, I was told about this place. Because it kind of just sounds like he made it up. Yeah. And which doesn't make sense to what happens later. I just wish it would have been like, yes, I, there was like a, like, I don't know. I was on the streets when I was young and I, and this little kid was talking about this wonderful place you know, for kids, for young, you know, young kids, young boys would go to when they feel lost and stuff. You know, they can only come and go in their dreams and stuff like that. And it's just like, well, he always tried to go and he could go, but he he doesn't go anymore. Like a little bit more structure to how we got there because he just kind of just comes up with it out of nowhere. Yeah. I wish they would have also like workshopped ideas. Well, where do you want to go? I don't know. A beast is nice this year. No. Well, what do you think? Like, well, what, what, what about... Uh, I don't know, Arendelle. Ah, oh, it's too far. And I don't like the cold. You know, just something like that. A little bit more. This this show never does this. The show never has let's workshop ideas that are bad and then get to the right answer. It's always just like the next thing out of my mouth is the answer we go with. I mean, or like imagine instead of a bean, it had been something like Jefferson's hat or taking the hand of a mermaid. And they essentially like reality hopped through different um through different places they went to a couple different realms which would help explain rumple's you know knowledge of the realms from, from a very young age it would kind of also um inform his his curiosity and his tenacity a little bit you know what I'm like yeah, go ahead mm -hmm. go ahead go you go you go you Sorry. Oh, no. Well, the only thing I was going to say is, like, you know, imagine if they had stopped in Wonderland and, like, and and they're like, no, nah, no, we don't like it. You know, too many drugs. Uh, <laughs> they go to, um, you know, where, where, like, they go to uh, Wizard of Oz. We get a little tease out of that. And it's like, no, nah, I don't like the monarchy setup. Let's go. And uh, too many too drugs. Green. Too green. Too, <laughs> too many, many drugs. drugs. Too, too green. And then, and then, and then Malcolm is just like, you know what? All this stuff is just too complicated. I have to be an adult in every one of the situations. I have to still be a parent. What if I could just be somewhere where every, where I didn't have to worry about any of that, where all of my troubles were gone? Lo and behold, Neverland. So this is my little moment where I was, wouldn't it have been a, a little bit almost a more interesting turn for it to have been Rumpel's idea to go there? And like, this is a place that I have gone to as a kid. And for it to like, either A, for Malcolm to have been like, oh, I also have like weird, vague memories or dreams of something similar to that. But like Rumpel being like, I think we should go there 
because it, it's great. Like I've been there. Like, it's just, it's this wonderful place to go to. You and me can go like a place that only a kid could remember. Cause I don't like the idea that an adult would remember Neverland. As vividly like, as he did. As vividly as he did enough that Rumple didn't know about it because Rumple is also kind of lost. So he would have kind of, he would have like his brain would have taken him there. His imagination would have opened up for that. So I think it would have been interesting for Rumple to have been like, let's go there. And for his dad to hijack that, to have been like, oh, that's cool, but I'm an adult here. So I want to be a kid here. And, but I don't want you here. So then kicks him out. Like that had been an even bigger betrayal. Like, hey, great idea. Get out. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's actually, I love that. That's like a bunch of Disney adults taking their kids to Disney, but like making them not go to things. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. You want to go take, take selfies outside of club 33 for 45 minutes. You got to get the perfect Insta. And the kids are like, I just want to go on Dumbo. No Dumbo. Mom, I I really just want to get a a Mickey pretzel. Oh, no. We're going to go get uh, churros at Adventureland or at, at, uh. We have Never to wait mind. 45 minutes for the Dole Whip. It's the only place we can get it. We can't. <laughs> we have to get the Dole Whip here because it has the picture. We have the sunset here. If we go over there, the sun will be done setting. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. I love I love Disneyland, you guys. You have no idea how I excited I am for when Henry will be old enough to justify taking him. I, I think about back. it every week. It was the last big thing I did before COVID. Anyway, I did it before my kid was old enough to go, so I didn't I didn't take him. Like, we did a 16-hour day. We rope dropped all the way to the end. It was a 16-hour day on Christmas Eve. It was a nightmare. Like, it was just this huge... I had so much fun. And I can't wait to take... I cried. They did, like, a Mickey parade thing, and I cried. I'm an adult. I was 34 years old, just sobbing openly. Mickey, it's Mickey. Anyway, I can't wait to take him. He's going to have so much fun. We're going to have a blast. Anyway. Well, right so- now... Malcolm is taking Rumple to his special <laughs> magical land of magic. Oh, uh, this all just goes pear-shaped so quickly. Yeah. And I found it really funny that the place that they go, they wind up, is the exact same beach that we saw Hook and his brother arrive at with, with Peter Pan, who's chilling on the island being like, what the F are you doing here? But I do also want to point out, this is a very well-known set location for many shows it was on, it was a big one on CW's Arrow. Um, pretty much any show on the CW has filmed at this beach at some point. I have some questions about this beach. Is it the beach that the guy, that Leonardo DiCaprio washes up on uh, in Inception? In, in, I, I thought you were about to say the beach. I'm like, I don't think so. No, not the beach. That's a very different beach. It's a different beach. Uh, so yeah, so Rumpel and uh, Malcolm arrive and... I, my favorite part is it's just like poor Rumble. Rumble is just hungry. He's just a kid. Listen, kids have like three modes. They're sleepy, they're hungry, and or they're bored. Like sometimes all three at the same time and they're a nightmare. Like it's just like if you're, you need to feed your children. So it's just like he's hungry. This kid is hungry. He's like, I'm, I'm hungry and I'm tired from walking. And he's like, don't worry. We're going to climb to the top of this tree here to get to these pixie flowers because they need the moonlight and that's how the flowers get, uh, that's how they get their powers. So that's how we're going to get the pixie dust. And then this is where we get our first glance at Rumble being a coward because he's afraid of heights and doesn't want to climb to the tip top of a tree because he's eight. Yeah. And like we, we see in the flashback at the beginning of the episode where somebody says, Rumple, you're a coward, just like your father. I, I, 
I mean, what are your thoughts on whether this, do you think this episode has examples of Malcolm showing cowardice? Because that's not what it felt like to me. This didn't feel like cowardice. This just felt like being a bad father. No, this was this was just your basic deadbeat uh, man child who can't do the bare minimum to provide for his family. But when he gets something that he wants to do, he becomes so laser focused that he barely remembers he has a child. Like this is the kind of like, gr- and and this is what I like because the characterization of his father is the exact person that Pan would be. Because he doesn't want to be, he's an overgrown man child. He doesn't, he didn't want to grow up. He didn't want to grow up. He shouldn't have had a kid. He doesn't want to have the kid. Uh, He wishes he could go back and just be a kid himself. He's jealous of his kid being able to be a kid. So he makes terrible decisions because he is, he is making selfish choices. Mm -hmm. He's making wildly selfish choices because he never grew into the responsibilities or took full account of the the actions that he took. He's like, I should have never been a father. Uh, Sorry, it happened. Like, I just don't know what to tell you. You could have just dropped him off with those those spinster ladies and just left forever. But you didn't even have the gumption to go farther than a block down the road to the bar. But now suddenly there's pixie dust afoot and you're on a cool island, now you're going to fully climb a tree, show more initiative than you've shown this entire episode for something you want to do that has no way of supporting your child. It's just something cool to do. It's mm-hmm. not going to feed him. It's not going to rest him. It's not going to teach him anything. It's just something cool for you to do. And Rumpel calls him on it. He's like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to fly. I just want pretzels please god just give me a pretzel and and malcolm's like no i'll climb up there i'll go get it um yeah this doesn't go well for for malcolm because i, yeah. I mean it goes okay it, it, i mean it goes fine it gets goes up there. pretty good for malcolm it doesn't go good for rumple no, I'm just saying it doesn't go well. He has kind of a little bit of a, a I'll say I'll, I'll I'll invoke the hero's journey because Pan does invoke it later in the episode, but it's just because it's like this is his downspot of just being like, "Oh, well, you're not a the shadow. God, the shadow. Shadow annoyed me so much in this episode. I don't I don't know the voice. I didn't get the voice for this and I didn't care for it, but he was just like, "You are an adult. You can't you can't you can't use these things if you're an adult because grown men gross only children." And so, so- yeah, I'm going to interrupt you for a second because we actually have some very interesting acting trivia that I wanted to share with you for this episode. I'll get the awkward one out of the way first. The Shadow. Okay. The Shadow is voiced by Marilyn Manson. Gross. Next. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a perfect way to put it. Um, but I do want to point out uh, Malcolm and Young Rumple. Uh, Malcolm is Stephen Lord, who was in EastEnders, and he's also been in uh, plenty of other things. I think he's great. I actually, one thing I did want to point out is he occasionally does the little hee-hee things. Like, I love but, that. But it was it didn't feel forced. Like, it felt genuinely part of his character, and I'm like, that's Rumple. Like, that. that's where Rumple got it from, and I loved that. Yes. And then... Poor young Rumple. This the so I was so ready just to bag on this young actor so hard because dear God, this performance is not good. Okay. But I'm gonna give him 
some credit because he's actually a very well-known actor now. Oh, you no. may not recognize him. Oh, this no. is Wyatt Olaf. And he is known for a starring role in I Think You Should Leave on Netflix. But he's also one of the main kids in It and It Chapter 2. What? Yeah. Yeah, he's one of the starring kids that plays Stanley. Yeah, Stanley is the name of the kid. I, I don't remember all of them. But he is, he's like got over 1 million followers on Instagram. He's like a huge actor. And this was one of his first parts. And this is the reason I wanted to point it out is because in a 2017 interview with Ballas Magazine, he was asked, what has been the hardest role you've played so far? And he said, one of the more difficult roles as far as preparation was for Once Upon a Time. I played young Rumpelstiltskin and had to mimic Robert Carlyle's Scottish dialect, which was quite a challenge. So oh, like, no. he's a good actor and he's done some great stuff. And he was a little kid who had, who's American from Chicago and had to mimic Robert Carlyle's accent as a young boy. I'm like, I feel for you. Oh, I forgot to mention the biggest part. He was young Peter Quill in Guardians of the Galaxy. I know exactly who he is in it. Okay, yeah. I got it. I was like, I, yeah. like, I got to match the face. Where's the face at? Got it, got it, got yeah, it. Yeah, this is a big time actor and this is one of his first roles. And so like, I was so ready just to dunk on this kid and I'm sorry about that. But I took the time and I looked him up and I'm like, I got to give you credit because you are a very talented young person. You were just given an insurmountable task at an age you should not have had to deal with it. So uh, first of all, accents, there are full grown Emmy or not Emmy Oscar winning, maybe even Emmy winning uh, actors who cannot pull off certain accents. It is just not in their wheelhouse. It is just, they butcher them. They try and people want their name in a movie. So they make them do these accents and they're so awful and you just can't deal with it. I will dunk on those people all day. If you need a little kid to have a Scottish accent, you go find a kid with a Scottish accent. That's it. You mm -hmm. you cannot a Scottish accent, a Scottish like a lot of those accents they're very tough for again for grown adults that are trained in acting. So trying to get a small child to do it and to mimic a very well known actor's accent, I mean that's I could see why that would be a very daunting and very hellish task for. That would make me sweat. Like, yeah, uh, and he as, was like as 10 a, at the time. Like, can yeah. you imagine being 10 years old and just being like, you got to do this whole accent that you are not familiar with whatsoever? No, that's just tough. Yeah, no. So first of all, great for him. I love seeing like actors like it's like uh, Millie Bobby Brown being in uh, Wonder. Is she in Wonderland or she was in. She played Alice in Once Upon a Time. She was in one of the episodes. I think it was Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So Malcolm comes back down and he's just like, and then this is the part where everything gets very intense very quickly. It's just like, hey, I'm not going to be able to fly as an adult. But the only way that I can become a kid is if I get rid of what's holding me back. And the only thing that's keeping me from doing everything that I want in life is you. So I need you to go away. 
Sotha Shadow is going to traumatically rip this child away from his father so that his child her so that his father can go back to the level of maturity that he has and goes to be a 16-year-old with giant shoulder pads. I'm not over the shoulder pads still. Uh and this this sucked. This, by the way, I think what I was most mad about it is your father didn't abandon you. He threw you away. Like there's a abandoning would have been leaving you with the ants and wandering away, going away. That's abandoning. This is not abandonment. This was, I don't know what this was. There's not even a word for, I'm sure there's a German word for it, but this sucked. Cause he also didn't know what the shadow was going to do to Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. Like, you know, he doesn't have a guarantee that Rumpel's yeah. going to be fine. Um, the, I actually did find this interesting because you know, when I was first watching this episode, I'm like, oh, well, the shadow is its own entity. It's the original inhabitant caretaker of the island, which I think is cool, but that doesn't explain why it's seen as Pan's shadow. But I think twofold, it kind of eventually made sense for me. One, Peter Pan becomes the original person to stay on the island. So then the shadow kind of grafts itself onto him. They are now... they are now linked. They are one and the same. But I also think, I don't know whether or not this was on purpose, but if it was, props to them. I think ripping Rumpel away from his father was like Rumpel, was like Malcolm ripping off his shadow. Rumpel is his shadow. Rumpel is his tie to the to the earthly world. And he he is ripping it away. And so I like, I, again, I don't know if that was on purpose. I don't know if I'm reading into something very deeply, but either way, it makes me happy. I can see that. Yeah, because it's like with um, Ethan Embry's character. They rip his soul slash shadow out of him and he straight up dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's traumatic and there's a lot of screaming, much like this is. Same thing. Like, you're ripping the soul. Out. Like, you're, you're a father. Like, you can't just unbe. You can't not be a dad anymore. Like, you just not near your kid anymore. Like, that's mm-hmm. the difference. Like, you don't undo that. Um, and that's when we get the reveal, like up until that point, I think people were probably like, I'm very confused. And then all of a sudden this reveal was great because it's the smoke and the smoke. And then you just see Pan's face appear with Robbie Kay's tear strewn eyes as he's staring up into the heavens as his son is gone. Like this was, might be my favorite moment from this actor is Peter Pan Mm -hmm. was his face because it was delight guilt horror and bewilderment all at the same time because he's not the pan that we know he's not the pan with years to callous over this uh this wound that he has because this actor or not this actor uh this malcolm is still like it he he knows what he's doing is shitty like you know that you're not supposed to do this. You know, you're not. so he's upset about it. I think in, if all honesty, he doesn't miss Rumpel. Like he's not crying because Rumpel's being taken away. I think they're tears of joy. I think that's how big of a shithead he is. Like, really? I don't think he's, I don't think he's upset that the kid is gone. I don't, I don't think he's just like, see you later. Like I, I, I genuinely think that it's happiness. Like, I don't think he's upset to see Rumpel go. I disagree, if mainly because of the subsequent scene that we get. Because immediately after this this great pan reveal, we cut to Rumpel, who's now in the Skull Cave because they arrived on the island, and Pan had set up this 
shadow barrier. The only people without a shadow can follow him because he knows that Rumpel sure. got his shadow. It's it's sure we, this is bad <laughs> logic, and we're gonna go with it. Uh, Rumpel goes up and. This was kind of the thing I was afraid would happen where once the audience knew Peter Pan was Rumpel's father, Peter Pan was just going to come forward and be like, hello, son, I'm your father. And that's basically what happens. Like the cat's out of the bag for the audience. So the cat's out of the bag for their private conversations, which I don't. That's something that really irks me. If people are talking in private they're not speaking for the audience. They can speak as themselves. Like they don't need to yeah. keep secrets from each other just because it's something the audience does. It's it's a logic hole. Yeah, and I no, don't like it. I agree. I agree. It's like it's it, yes, I agree with you one hundred percent. But also, so I was thinking about it. I'm like, why couldn't they have just done like a protection spell that only Rumple could walk through? And the answer is because then Emma and Regina couldn't off-screen eclipse their way through it we're gonna get to that <laughs> we're Please. gonna put a, the giantest pin in that we're gonna hold my on to goodness that because dear god that whole scene was stupid but the reason i think that that malcolm was not those weren't tears of joy those were tears of being conflicted was because in this scene where rumple and pan finally confront each other after we've gotten the luke i am your father reveal Pan is remorseful, or at least he claims to be. And he's like, I want to start over. I want you to be with me. I miss you and I want you. I wanted to basically be face to face with you because I want it. I want us to be together. And I legit don't think Pan was trying to trick Rumple. I feel like he... he wanted rumple back but on his terms so i just i think in in my own way i've characterized pan pan slash malcolm is an even bigger terrible person than maybe he actually is because rumple says to him because he basically is like well you abandoned your own son we're basically the same and rumple says i regretted what i did instantly instantly pan says nothing Pan doesn't say, yes, I was also sad to see you go. Yes, I was like, I would would say that uh, Malcolm slash Pan, whatever you want to call him, uh, is more in the narcissistic way uh, missing Rumpel. Mm. He misses him because he misses his extension. He misses somebody that he can talk to on his level, somebody with his power, because he's hanging out with a bunch of powerless kids. Uh, He doesn't have a peer. He doesn't have a work buddy. He's been by himself with just a bunch of, you know, pubescent children for years and years and he's now he's about to die it's a whole thing he's mostly tricking children he misses his kid in a way that you would miss just i don't know i don't don't even know i don't even know how to characterize it because this is this is insane to me so i don't think he misses him like a father misses a son i think he misses him like you miss co-workers (laughs) you're just like i just i kind of wish someone was here for me to talk to like zoom's fine but i'd love to have face to face i guess i don't know that's no, where I, can, I characterize him. I can totally see your point. I I feel like this is just maybe a strength that the show had that we legitimately don't know. And that's kind of the point. We're not supposed to know what Peter Pan is truly feeling. They're not laying it all out on the table for us. I think it's left up to us to kind of put the pieces together ourselves. And I I think that's very interesting. 
Um, I I also have to wonder if Pan is wanting to control Rumpel because he knows that Rumpel is extremely powerful and he, you know, he wants to have Rumpel back with him on his terms, but that would also mean controlling Rumpel and making sure that he, you know, he's no, he's no longer a threat to his safety. Yeah. Which I think could be very... But none of that matters because uh, we have the magic of illusion and belief to because we have a, a Pandora's box. But no, we have two Pandora's box. We have the real one and the fake one, because apparently magic can not only create fake things, it can also teleport things without you even noticing and replace it with the fake thing. I hated all of this. I thought it was really stupid, but it doesn't matter. Now Rumple's in a box. So, I mean, logically the 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 logic here is and they say this when they get to the island anything you imagine can happen why didn't he just make rumple imagine pixie dust in his hand why didn't he just imagine henry's heart i don't know boy that'd been wild can you just oh what happened (laughs) (laughs) i did it i solved it day one Henry's in there. <gasps> oh, God. Oh, dear. Good habit. Yeah. But so, yeah. So we got, you know, step one. Open the button in Pandora's box. How does Pandora's box have a mechanical whirling sound and a big red easy button from Staples on top? I don't understand any of whatever these characterizations are. Anyway, hit the button. Rumpel it's turns into red Pandora's mist. It's not Pandora's box from Greek mythology. We just have to accept that because it has a bunch of gears on the outside. Yeah, like, that's also true. We gotta. This is this is not the Pandora's box, or if it is, it's had a few upgrades over the centuries. It hit the industrial revolution and it hit it hard. It's maybe it's just like the name for something. Like it was just mm-hmm. like this is a cool box that I can trap stuff in. I'm gonna call it Pandora's box. I did it. I'm unique. I'm a genius. I'm amazing. I'm amazing. What a great idea. Well, Henry has the heart of such a truest believer. He couldn't hear that entire thing happening. Half a cave over. What was he doing? He's just staring he at just the staring? hourglass. Like a dumbass. I no one has any like this is like the isolation mic that I have thing where like suddenly someone's four inches away and you no longer can hear them. We had this problem like three episodes ago where they were stage whispering about super top secret things. <laughs> so wild, amazing. And anyway. yeah, I swear the entire island of Neverland has like. Where you have the isolation headphones where everybody just has selective hearing within their own sphere and nothing else registers anywhere around He's just minding his business. Uh, But I love that that's happening. And also, again, I know we put a pin in it, but a major um, astrological event is happening. Oh, yes. Yeah, because... We're 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 doing a very logical thing right now. I'm flabbergasted because none of this made sense. Regina and Emma and Neil are stuck outside. They can't get in. But what if they could? Because, because the thing that's keeping them out is the fact that they have shadows. But what if the moon the thing creating our shadows went away never mind there's torches around us that also cause shadows never mind shadows can also Uh. exist at night with the stars but no regina's like 
hey, maybe that one half of a lesson where I taught you to light a fire is going to come into handy. Let's lift our arms to the heavens, our Wiccan circle of belief, and we're going to make shadows disappear. You guys can't see right now, but Abby is just like, has fallen backwards I, in her chair. I I am forever. so, I can't, I, I had to move back or I was just going to start shouting into the microphone. I, <laughs> this was the most bananas thing because not an ounce of it made sense. This sounded like a first draft that they just never fixed. Emma literally looks up and goes, the moon. And ah, it casts shadows. Yes, let's go move it. I one time started a fire because I got mad about. Start fire, move sun in front of moon. But what are they moving in front of the moon? uh, And... And, 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 okay, here's my favorite part. So if we move the moon a bunch, right, tide starts getting all screwy. Is Ariel just walking around on her legs because it's high tide? Because we've moved the moon? She, uh, to, they move the moon. The moon. The, Beth, the moon. I, I, the moon. <laughs> but the worst part about this, here's the worst part. None of it happens on screen. No, they just <laughs> lift their <laughs> arms and then we just focus on Neil's face as he goes, oh shit, the moon, they're moving it. And then it's moved. If we had the budget to make this giant skull island, we had the budget to take moon and put thing in front of moon. All you need is a circle and you move it sideways. <laughs> it just... It just looks like a Homestar Runner animation of a, like a stick with the moon on it. Do, 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 do. We did I, it. This, 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 if you can't already tell, absolutely broke my brain. I, I don't understand why this happened, why this was the answer, and why we couldn't have thought of maybe a better workaround. Or, again, maybe there's a different reason the barrier doesn't work. You know, like, hey, the barrier only works because it's Rumpel. Hey, let's all take some sort let's all morph ourselves into Rumpel for no reason and then walk through because it's a stupid spell. Like Or or maybe we have Rumpel set up the barrier. He says, I'm doing it to protect you. We get that another moment of you're betraying us, we don't trust you. That would be wild. Yes. And then the moment he got sucked into Pandora's box, it came down. That's that, 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 and that's completely within the budget. Skull Island could have had like six more skulls for that price. Exactly. But no, instead we have the moon gets moved by moon and magic moon. It's a thing. Anyway, so now the barrier is down. They all come up. Pan is begging Henry. He's like, magic is dying. Here's the hourglass of dying magic. The skulls have nothing to do with my mortality. Don't worry about it. Oh, and I forgot to mention, we forgot to mention, my apologies, that Pan gets flown to this skull island after he becomes the younger version of himself. He's like, what is this cave? It's freaking awesome. I love the skulls. Dig the aesthetic. Did this all come from my brain? I love it. And the shadow shows up and is like, yes, no one else has tried to live here. This hourglass is when you're going to die because you're living here. And then Pan's like, I'll find a way Again, to live forever. 
Again, a, an unmotivated single father can't even get himself a job, but he will devote his entire life to finding a way not to die. Selfish, selfish, narcissistic piece of shit. Let's continue. Yeah, so Pan is, is this is the point where Pan is, is he's kind of lying, but mostly just by omission. Because in Pan's mind, this will save magic. Because Pan is magic. Like, he he craves magic. So he sees himself as a vital part of the island. So, like, it's a lie. Yeah. Also, eh. He's just not telling him, oh, yeah, this is actually mostly so I will live. And he doesn't, he does tell Henry, the price you'll pay is that you don't get to leave. That's also technically true. Yeah, he won't you, leave because You don't die. get to leave. You're going nowhere else and you'll be in, in the next five minutes, you will go nowhere else. Excellent. Uh, Neil, Emma, and Regina show up and they're like, no, Henry, don't do the thing. We're not going to tell you every reason why for plot convenience. Just trust us. All they literally had to say is Pan is dying. This this is for his dyingness. So he... Because like, when they're like, oh, he's just trying to save himself. That is such the most vagueness ever. Yeah. Saving yourself saving yourself can mean so many different things. Say, no, Pan is dying. He's tricking you because he doesn't want to die. He needs your life to, he's, you'll die to save Pan's life. That's all this is. But they don't say that because plot convenience. I this is it's a trope that I just genuinely cannot stand mm-hmm. in media anymore. Like just say the thing. I just can't. It's why I don't like horror movies a lot of the times. The ghosts are just like vaguely writing words that don't mean anything. It's fine. Oh, they were writing this because of this. This whole scene because they all just stop too and they fil- form this little weird semicircle and they don't like rush up. And again, you're right. No one says anything. And Neil's character should be the one saying, hey, here's everything on Front Street. Here's everything that you need to know. And no one says, hey, where's Rumple? No one asks. So whatever. Who cares? He's fine. Yeah. This is... Pan talked to him just enough. Pan talked to Henry just enough to weasel into his brain. And he says, like, this is your hero's journey. This is your low moment. This is the part where you have to prove yourself. And that's a damn convicting thing or convincing thing to say to somebody, mm-hmm. especially to the heart of the truest believer. I have a hard time believing that there's been, uh, there hasn't been a more gullible kid than Henry that's existed in this entire <laughs> time. But I guess, <sighs> poor Henry. I, I mean, on one hand, I do agree with you, but on the other. Henry loves his moms and he trusts them implicitly. I I did not see a narrative justification for why he did what he did when he did it. I mean, I'll yes. I mean, to get to this point, I mean, in this moment I see it happening, but yes, you're right. The build to this did not make any sense. Like Henry's just been standing around awkwardly in his flannel for eight episodes. Mm-hmm. This there there has been no convincing he the scratch on the other lost boy's face was mostly defensive. You know what I mean? Like it's he did not go wild. He did not become a lost boy. You, mm-hmm. He kind of had a down moment, but he also talked to his moms like with the little mirror. Like he was starting to kind of go rogue 
from Pan's thing, but then like just got sucked back in. We're missing something. We missed something that got him to trust Pan implicitly. Well, it was Wendy. It was Wendy dying. So all Neil had to do. Well, I guess that's fair. Like all Neil had to do was say, hey, Wendy told me Pan is dying and he's trying to sacrifice your life to save himself. Then Henry replies, wait, I thought Wendy was dying. I thought the island was killing her. No, she's fine. It's only Pan. Yeah, that would have had to. Boom. Solved. That would have had to have gone the opposite way. It would have had to have been like, no, there's a girl on the island named Wendy because Neil has no way of knowing that that uh, that Henry has even seen Wendy as she has been in a cage. So, Fair. Yeah, so I think it would have necess- been if she was like, no, there's a girl on the island. Her name is Wendy. She is dying because of the magic. And for Neil to go, bull honky. That is, no, thank you. That is not what's happening. And then that, it gets debunked that way. You're right. Wendy needed to have been invoked somehow. Yeah, but that's not what happens. Henry has the heart of the truest believer, and now that heart is literally in his hand because Pan enchants him to be able to rip out hearts. Everyone can rip out hearts. How much must it hurt to rip out your own heart, especially when you're a young boy who's never done magic before? I can't imagine it feels good. No. And I know we talked before about when Regina had her heart out and she was still showing a lot of emotion. This happened with Henry. I have a headcanon for it. I don't think it's actually real or important, but I do want to point it out. I wonder if you rip out your own heart and you're holding it, if you still like through osmosis are still carrying the emotions of the your heart own is still heart. part. Like you could carry it in your purse. Like just exactly. like oh, my heart's here, but it's not my chest. I get that. I also did like the, the way that Henry's heart looked. Mm-hmm. Henry's heart had like a gold flash to it. He did not, which we've not really seen with anybody else's. Henry's heart is pure and the truest believer. So it is a gold heart. It's so, it's so pretty and bright it's and so shiny. Pretty. No dark spots at all. Not like Snow's gross dark heart situation. Okay. I also love that like a horror movie, everyone has split up uh, because Tink and Hook are somewhere and like they they all and Snow and Charming are somewhere else like they've just all separated which is always great mm-hmm. um, it's always but yes plan. but yes Henry yeah. Henry Henry defies logic and space and time and decides that he needs to be a hero and he, he puts the heart one. in Pan's chest Pan can now levitate he can fly he can fly he can fly because he is now immortal henry plops on the ground we get a green whoosh of evil magic this is pretty much the same special effect that we get when curses break but this time a curse is being enacted upon the land it's the curse of pan forever young and that's where we end with pan giving his <laughs> and i'm curious how long it's gonna last because he's feeling on top of the world uh the next episode is called save henry so i'm not thinking very long (laughs) well i guess we're gonna find out and that was season three episode eight think lovely thoughts abby what do you think about these lovely thoughts of this episode what are your lovely thoughts about? My lovely thoughts. Uh, my first lovely thought is, was Think Happy Thoughts trademarked? Because lovely thoughts is odd to me. Um, I, I, have, I see a thing. Uh, hold on. A cultural reference. 
Um, I think Think Lovely Thoughts is from the original story. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a... Here, I have a thing. This episode is named after a passage in the third chapter of the Peter Pan novel. You just think lovely, wonderful thoughts and they lift you up in the air. So I think oh, okay, they changed okay. it for the Disney version. Okay. So, I I mean, I, I like this episode for the most part. There's some wild, weird choices. Like, there's, like, weird, mushy parts where they don't know how to get from one place to another. So they just kind of, I don't know, Ford truck with a two-by-four all the way through it. Uh, but, like, I like... I liked this reveal. I liked how this worked out. I liked seeing Pan's or seeing Rumple's father and how all that kind of played out. Some of the some of the Rumple Pan stuff as adults later didn't work quite as well, like you said. But I don't know. Overall, I I like this episode. I'm ex- I like this a lot. I think the Pan reveal is really great. Um, I feel like it makes sense that it was very well received when it happened. Um, I I do agree that there's a lot of going on in this episode that doesn't quite work or mesh. And I am curious to see what happens from here on out. Because I think we only have like two more episodes in this Neverland storyline. So before we get to the Zelina Wizard of Oz stuff, so um, it's all coming to a head pretty quick, folks. So we're we we got a fun ride coming up. So the weird, like, odd thought that I had at the beginning of this that I said that we were gonna, I was gonna see if I could work through my brain. I don't know if I worked it through so much, but in the original story, or at least with like the more recent movie tellings and stuff, um, yeah, Hook is against a crocodile. But, like, one of the other things is that Captain Hook's biggest enemy or thing that he dislikes the most is ticking clocks. Hates them. Hates them so much. I like in this one, Pan's enemy is the, uh, his, his sand. His sand. His time. It's not a ticking clock, but it is the sands of time. The, 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 I was trying to think of what's the, what's the, um, soap opera. The, oh no. Days of Our Lives. The days of our lives. No, there's like the, the sands of time or there's something like that. I don't remember what it is. Well, I know anyway. days of our lives actually had like an hourglass as its oh, maybe. Like logo uh, thing. Yeah, so maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But anyway, yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, yeah, the, the enemy is different, but it's a sand. They don't really play to that as much, but no. Just anyway. Anyway, overall, a, a, a great reveal, some really good stuff, um, very narratively satisfying. I think it's probably one of the best reveals that we get in the show, apart from the stuff in the first season, you know, the, the big reveals about, you know, fairy tale characters and stuff. So, you know, bravo to them for that. Like, you know, you guys did a solid, and I think that's something to be really proud of. I like that Henry always has to make a choice in which he faints at the end of it. <laughs> Yeah, I, made a made a choice. Thump. I'm wondering if the actor just wanted to just like lie down a bunch. Like maybe he was just tired. He is unconscious a lot in this. <laughs> Did he have like a lot of schoolwork this season that he just couldn't be there for? So they had to have just like a dummy for him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, maybe he's just really good at doing the break fall, and he just wanted to keep doing it. Give me any reason to just be unconscious. And be like cool. I'm practicing my gymnastics. Nice. All right, guys. Well. Thank you again for joining us for this episode. We're going to be back next week with Save Henry. Are we, how are we going to save Henry, guys? How are we going to do it? We're just going to have to find out together. You can subscribe to us on Apple, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
you can, for the time being, join our Facebook group. <laughs> Who knows for how long? Guys, save your data. Uh, that is facebook.com slash groups slash OUA timing. You can follow us on Twitter. I am personally at Beth Elderkin. I am at just underscore Abby. And I want to be sure to thank our wonderful patrons for our, your support. You can support us yourselves at patreon.com slash OUA timing. Our patrons, I'm going to hold my mic. I might make some noises. Just want to move this way. A special thank you to our Snow Queen level patrons. Guys, in half a season, that name's going to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I keep like wanting to change it to Swan Queen, but I'm like, it's been no. so long. We no, can't. listen, we are digging our now. heels. We are digging our heels into this mistake. And it's just it's just what we are. It's just what we're doing. Well, special thank you to Cecile Jenny, Daisha Thompson, Patrick Stevens, Jacob Fulcalt, Philip Korn, Samantha Hosel, Brian Sanina, Lisa Slack, Lindsay Alice Halleck, Paul, Ryan Gregoricos, Emily, Rachel Zucker, La Femme Fictionale, Erica Farrow, The Salt in Our Stars, and Zach Tobinoff. Thank you all of you for supporting us, and we'll be back next week. In the meantime, I am Beth Elderkin. And and I'm Abby. This is weird. I, I, this is different. What is this? <laughs> I don't know. I just decided just to say my name in a sing-song voice because it felt good. Abby. <laughs> and you know what, Abby? We're going to see you next week. See you next week, Beth.